Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me, inv- let me invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to uh, Esther. Esther, chapter 7. No? Is it gone again? All right, well, I'm going to use Greg's mic. We're not going to play with that today. So, Esther chapter 7. We are, um, we got today and, and next Sunday in our series on running with the giants. And if you've been with us, you know that every week we've been looking at a different hero of the faith through, the, through uh, our series. And so, uh, we've looked at uh, Moses, we've looked at Joseph, and so today I want us to, to look at Esther, and we'll be in, in Esther chapter 7. Uh, I read this story this week uh, from uh, Ken Sandy. Ken Sandy wrote a book, Resolving Everyday Conflict. Now, I realize no one in this room has conflict. In fact, last week I talked about the clutter in your house, thinking nobody in the room had clutter in their house, and yet all week long, that's all I heard was you made my Sunday miserable because my wife made me put away dishes, mail, cobwebs, the whole nine yards. So, but I know that you don't have everyday conflict, but in his book he tells this story. And in that story, he talks about outside running and in a neighborhood when, as he was running, he noticed this lady who was, uh, was blind. And she had her dog with her, and the dog was guiding her down the sidewalk. Uh, what struck his attention was, as they were going down the sidewalk, there was a car parked in the sidewalk's path. You know, as a a driveway would have it. And he stopped to watch what would happen. As he watched, he noticed the dog, as the dog was leading his owner, the dog would bump the owner as to say, it's time to, to swerve. But he said that the lady didn't swerve. In fact, she pulled the collar just a little tighter on the dog and they kept walking down the street. The dog bumped, bumped her again. And again, the same results. She, she chose to ignore that, that command from the dog. As he watched, he began to think, she's going to run into that car. Now, it's a parked car, but still... She's going to run into that car. And the third time, this time the dog nudged her again, she had a few choice words for the dog and said, come on. And then in a moment, she found herself bumping into the car. As he watched, what happened next was was incredible. For she didn't get angry at the dog. She knelt down almost in tears, whispering and loving on that dog because that dog had warned her. 
That dog had done what he was supposed to do. That dog had said three times, we need to change our path. And yet three times she chose not to change the path. And, and because she didn't, she walked right into the car. As I read that story, I, I, I found myself just struggling because I, I wondered which one I'm more like. The dog who speaks up when, when there's trouble ahead or the lady who ignores the command. I mean, think about that for a moment. Do you speak up when you see friends or family going down a dangerous path? When you watch them and you know the, the path they're going on is going to lead to destruction, do you, do you speak up or do we do the thing that sometimes we do and that we turn our head and go, that's none of my business. Oh, I see them. I see their marriage falling apart. I see what's happening. I see this sin in their life. And yet we decide not to speak up. Or are we more like the, the woman? And that there are signs, there are people who speak into our life, there are things that go on that give us notice that we're in trouble and yet the only thing we do is keep on keeping on. The only thing we do is keep moving and not listening to those who are trying to, to help us. I don't know. And unfortunately, I think there are times I am like both of these people in the story or this dog and this woman. And that troubles me. Because the Bible teaches us that we are to, to love one another. But we're to love one another in a way that we help hold one another accountable. We, we help one another grow spiritually. We don't let that person go down the trail. We're to speak up. We're to speak up when, when, there, when God puts something on our hearts. This morning I heard a testimony from one of our church members who listened to the voice of God. That voice told that person to go someplace different, wasn't even on their schedule that day. And they went. And when they did, God had an encounter for them. And as they had that encounter, that person began to tell me how great God was. Because as we talked about last week, God puts us in the right place at the right time. We've just got to listen. Amen? So this morning, Esther, chapter 7. Let me give you a little background to Esther. Uh, if you found Esther, it's between uh, Nehemiah and Job. But Esther is, a, is an interesting book of the Bible. And before we read our text, I need to lay some of this out. Because if you're not familiar with Esther, you kind of need to know this. Esther is a book of the Bible that never mentions God. It's the only book of the Bible that we have that there's no mention whatsoever of God in, in the entire book. People often wonder, why would we have a book in the Bible that doesn't mention God? Well, it's interesting that while God's name is never mentioned, you see God's hand all over the book of Esther. 
fact, Esther and Exodus are a lot alike. They're both books about people who are trying to be oppressed, who need to be rescued. They, they have kings who are trying to destroy God's chosen people. Esther, while you never hear God's name, we, we see in Esther God's hand on her life. In fact, she is, is Christ embodied because she will come and rescue her people. In fact, she's even willing that it cost her her life. And so Esther's an interesting book. And so leading up to our chapter 7, what we need to know is Esther is a queen. Her, her husband doesn't know that she's a Jew. There's a, there's a problem going on in the background. Her, uh, her husband's right-hand man, Haman, is his name. And he has this thing out for the Jews. In fact, he's convinced the king that let's just, they're, they're getting too many, let's just get rid of the Jewish people. Let's, let's just deal with them. And the king unknowingly signs off on it. But what the king doesn't understand was he had a couple of people in his, in his uh, hierarchy that were trying to cause problems for the king. And so Esther's uncle turned them in and got them, got them caught. But Haman, again, didn't like her uncle because he wouldn't bow and give him the time of day. So we find ourselves here in chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, would you stand as we read these 10 verses? The king and Haman came to, to a feast with Esther the queen. Once again, on the second day, while drinking wine, the king asked Esther, Queen Esther, whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you seek, even to half the kingdom will be done. Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if the king is pleased... Spare my life. This is my request. And spare my people. This is my desire. For my people have been sold to destruction, death, and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept silent. Indeed, the trouble wouldn't be worth burdening the king. King Asherah spoke up and asked Queen Esther, who is this, and where's the one who would devise such a scheme? Esther answered, The adversary and the enemy is the evil Haman. Haman stood terrified before the king and queen. The king rose in anger and went from where they were drinking wine to the palace garden. Haman remained to beg Queen Esther for his life. Because he realized the king was planning something terrible for him. And just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, a man was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Would he actually violate the queen while I am in the house? 
As soon as the statement left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Harbonia, one of the king's eunuchs, said, There are gallows 75 feet tall at Haman's house that he made for Mordecai, who gave the report that saved the king. And the king said, Hang him on it. They hanged Haman on the gallows that had been prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's anger subdued. You may be seated. Here's the big idea I want you to catch this morning. It's real simple. But God wants his children, you and I, those who have confessed Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, he wants his children to speak up regardless of the circumstances or the cost. Catch that. If God has redeemed us and saved us and set us free, what he asks in return for, from us is obedience and faith and trust. And that means speaking up regardless of the circumstances, regardless if we lose a friend on Facebook, regardless of what it could cost us, he wants us to speak up. He wants us to be about the truth and the gospel. So let me share three things we find from Esther this morning. First, I, I want you to understand that um, speaking up means understanding what's important. Understanding what's important. Esther knew what was important here. She knew what was going on. She knew what was the most important thing that, that needed to happen. The, the, the most important thing was not the wealth. Remember, the, the king had said, I'll give you anything you ask. For you see, this was the second time that she'd had this banquet. She'd had this banquet to, to try to win over the king. She knew she was in a delicate situation, and so she needed to think through how she was going to approach the king. Because she became queen because another woman who was queen had disobeyed the king, had upset the king. And in, in the king's anger, he put her out. And so Esther knew it was an important task. But it wasn't about money, it wasn't about fame, it wasn't about fortune, it was about lives. It was about people. For you see, what she was wanting to ask was salvation for her people to be rescued. Because they were, they were in a sense about to be destroyed. If a man got his way, Mordecai would hang on the gallows that he hung on and many more. So it's, it's important. When you think about your life, what's the most important thing in your life? When you think about your priorities and when you think about what happens in your world, what's the most important thing? Is it making money? Is it family or is it God? And then the question is, do we live that way? Because I think there are times we all want to stand up and say, oh, God's number one. 
But the way we live our life doesn't always reflect that. The way we live our life sometimes means it, it reveals that we're just chasing after the dollar. And what we say is we're doing it because we want to provide a better life for our family. We, we want to provide something greater than we had growing up. I heard testimony uh, yesterday from somebody who, who, who was in ministry who said, I learned that my wife wanted me. Not what I could provide for her. Wanted me. In fact, he went on to say we were happy when we'd go out to, on a date when we were in college with $3 in our pocket and go buy chips and salsa and sit on a, on a park bench and talk for hours. See, money doesn't bring us anything but more trouble. Oh, we got nicer things, but is that the most important? For Queen Esther, she could, have, she could have asked for up to half of the kingdom. She could have said, well, Mordecai, my fellow brothers and sisters, sorry about your luck. I'm living large. I've hit the lottery. So I don't know what you're going to do. But see, she speaking up meant she understood what was important. Speaking up meant she understood what mattered most. Think about this. She not only knew what was important, but what mattered most. What matters here is life and death. And she understands that, that both, in, both she and the people will be persecuted. That's what matters most. That, that God loves people more than things. And so she understood that mattered more than anything else. And so she begins to put in place what she needs to do to help. And notice, when she approaches the king, she approaches him by saying, I want you to save my life. See, she doesn't talk about anything but life. That's what matters the most. We, you've heard it said, we can't take it with us. All these things that we collect and gather in our life, really at the end of the day, what does it matter? Oh, it might say something about you. Might say you're a hoarder. Might say you love something more than you should have. But wouldn't you rather people acknowledge how much you love life and people? Wouldn't you rather have that type of testimony? That you understood what mattered most in life? That it wasn't about all the fancy, shiny things, but about the relationships See, I find it interesting in this text, this whole chapter is about life and death. For you see, Esther is pleading on behalf of her life and her people. And then at the end of the text, it changes and Haman is pleading for his life because he now finds himself on the same place that she was. It's all about 
life. And that matters. That matters even today. The life that you live, the people that you surround yourself with, the relationships that you have, the relationship with God matters more than anything else. Do you understand that? Do you put your time and attention there? Now listen, it's a balancing act, okay? Because what I find sometimes, and even in my own life, we get, we get out of whack on the scale because we begin to realize that relationships matter so much that we put all our eggs in the basket of family and that's all we do. And we put God over here to the side and we forget that God has given us that family for one purpose, to help them see him. And so if, we, if we're going to understand what matters, remember it, Esther is trying to rescue the people of God, his children, to keep his legacy known, to keep his, his children safe. She's not trying to rescue, she's not trying to rescue the Jews because they were good people. In fact, likelihood is if Esther was here today, she'd go, yeah, there were some good people, but then there were some bad people. Just like we would say that to anybody else, right? And she would say, she would say, yeah, there were there were some great people, and then there were some crazy people. We've got that as well. But what mattered is the legacy of God and his children. Which leads us to the third thing. If we're going to speak up, we have to understand the cost. We have to understand the, what's important. We have to understand what matters. And we have to understand the cost. you got to understand it cost Esther a lot to speak up. It could have cost her her life. So Esther becomes queen because the king puts out the last queen because of her disobedience. And they go on a search to find the next queen. Now I don't recommend the way the search was done or how the search happened, but there was a search. And over 400, according to the historian Josephus, was evaluated by the king. And you can go look in chapter 2 and 3 and figure out how he evaluated. But... There was this evaluation process and Esther, Esther won favor with the king. Haman, through this, through this same period of time, is working with the king to say, let's remove all the Jews. They're getting too many. And he, he comes up with this plan and the king unknowingly agrees, thinking this is a good plan. And so he signs it, puts a seal in that cannot be reversed. And so here's the cost for Esther. I have to convince the king to change his mind. And if he doesn't, it costs me my life. Because at that moment, it will be revealed that she's a Jew. That Mordecai is her uncle. So she has something to lose. But that's not the cost that she counts. I think she counts the cost of what would happen if God's people are taken away. 
If God's people are killed and destroyed, that's the cost. Because what happens then? What happens if the Jews are no longer and no longer able to proclaim God's greatness and God's goodness, no longer have the testimony of how God leads them and guides them and, and provides for them? That's the real cost. And so in this chapter 7, we find Esther understanding the importance, understanding what matters, and understanding the cost. So every week we've tried to look at one of the heroes of the faith and I've tried to, to give you something to take away as we looked at that person. And, and as we look at Esther, I, I'm going to have to be honest, I want you just to see the gospel at play. Because at this moment in Esther's life, we don't necessarily see the gospel at play because she's trying to to rescue her people. Yes, she's the embodiment of Christ in this moment. So I want us to think about the gospel. Because as she recognized what was important, what matters, and what costs, I think that's the same thing for us today. And so the takeaways are simply this. There's nothing more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we, we, just, we say those things with our lips, but we, we do something completely different with, with our actions. At the end of the day, when, when this life is no more, There'll be somebody who stands at your funeral and they won't preach your funeral sermon. You will have done it already. And the question is, what will, you, what will your life say? Will your life proclaim that there's nothing greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or will your life proclaim that you loved everything about life? There's a difference there. And for you and I, we have to understand the importance of that. That nothing is greater. And therefore, that's why we, we're wanting people to continue to share the gospel to every home. We have 200 homes left. 200. And I'd love for us to get that knocked out before Thanksgiving. So if, if you would help us finish up that. We've heard testimonies of, of, of people who've knocked on doors and heard wonderful things about what's happened. We, we've gotten a call in the church office from somebody who, who, as we said before, if you just need to leave it on the doorstep, you do that. But we got a call from uh, somebody who, who's, who received that package on the doorstep. And that call came in and, and asked if we were the ones, and we said, yes, we've done that. We just wanted to to share the love of God with you. And that person on the phone said, you don't know how I needed that today. When the gospel is the most important thing, we do whatever it takes. Amen? Would you just join us? 200 homes.
following the service this morning, you can go down and pick up 510. We've got it set up where you can just go one street. They'll help you with that. If the gospel is the most important thing, then the second thing I want us to remember is there's nothing more that matters than sharing that gospel. Catch that. There's nothing more important than sharing the gospel. It's one thing to say the gospel is important. It's another to share it. It's another thing to make sure that as you have conversations, you realize God plant seeds. Just as the testimony this morning. God led that person on that, to that place, had no clue. They began a conversation with somebody that turned into a gospel conversation. That person, as they began to talk and un, unpack that, that person said, well, then I've got to ask you, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And that person said, yes. But see, listen, it's one thing to say, you know, the gospel's important. I think God's leading me over here. I need to go do that and go into that store and, and do whatever, look around, buy something, and then hear a conversation but not engage in the conversation with the gospel. Listen, there's nothing more matter, nothing else matters as more than the than the gospel. Sharing the gospel. Which leads us to the third thing. This morning I want you the takeaway is there's nothing nothing more costly than missing the gospel. Think about that for a moment. Nothing more costly than missing the gospel. If you and I don't share the gospel, where will people end up? Eternity separated from God, right? Eternity in agony, eternity apart from God. And that's costly. So there's nothing more important than the gospel, there's nothing more that matters than sharing the gospel, and there's nothing more costly than missing the gospel. We don't want people to miss the gospel, do we? Let me show of hands. How many would like it when you get to heaven and God said, can you tell me why you didn't go over to your neighbor's house and share the gospel? Because do you know where they are today? You won't see them here. Nope, they went the other direction. But why didn't you go over there? I put them right next to you. You'd stand up the yard and you would talk about the ball game. Couldn't you at least once mention my name? I don't think that'd be a great conversation, would it? Oh, I know it wouldn't be. A few years ago, I told this story a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night. A few years ago, I was with our students. We were uh, summer camp someplace, we're at Ridgecrest, I believe. And I received a phone call that uh, a person um, who wasn't a member here, but a person who I knew had died. Now, the, the person had been ill and, you know, the death was expected. But here was the thing that 
that broke me that night. And I'll never forget that night. I'll never forget. I confessed to our students who were there. I went to my room just in tears. See, the, the problem wasn't that the person died, but the problem was that for two weeks I had felt God saying, you need to go visit that person and ask them about their salvation. For two weeks that God kept pushing that leg to say, I need you to go over here and have this conversation. And for two weeks, I kept walking blindly ahead. And then I get that call, that individual had died. And I was just heartbroken. Because at that moment, I, I realized I failed in what God wanted me to do. To go have a, co a gospel conversation with that person. I was, bro I was broken. Because I clearly knew what God needed me to do and I clearly didn't do it. I didn't speak up when God asked me to speak. Friends, let me, let me tell you, that, that's a low point in, in a person's life. And I don't wish that on any one of us. So here, here's what I'm begging you today. Would you understand what's important? Understand what matters? Realize what the cost is that we're dealing with. Eternity for somebody's life. Would you proclaim? I don't know this morning, maybe God's already got somebody weighing on your heart that you, he's been after you to go share the gospel with them. In just a moment as we sing, I, I want you to pray for that person. Listen, God's been priming the pump. All he's been doing is waiting on you. He's been nudging you. Would you just stop walking into that car? Would you just go and speak and do? I promise you, if you go and have that conversation, they're not going to ask you about end times, the, the Trinity. They're not going to get into all deep theological questions. What they're going to get into is, how do I know that Jesus loves me? And if you've got a testimony and if you know that Jesus loves you, you understand that, that you are saved not by works, but by grace alone. There's nothing you can do. It's because what he has done. It's what Christ did on the cross for you that gives you eternal life. But you have to come to a place in your life and you have to admit that you're a sinner in need of saving. You have to believe in your heart that, that God sent his one and only son to a cross to pay for your sins. And then you've got to confess your need for him. You confess you need him and choose to follow. Friends, if that's, if that's what you need to do this morning, we invite you in just, just a moment. But if it's somebody that you need to go have that conversation with, we are never promised tomorrow. Don't wait. In fact, we have resources to help you as you leave outside. There's a, there's a gospel track rack there. You can get a, a pamphlet to take. 
But would you understand it's important, it matters, and it's costly. And God calls us. He's left the gospel in our hands to go proclaim. So would you do that? Would you stand with me this morning?